It is good to see everybody. Like I said, Mark is out, so we are going to be continuing on. Last time we talked about, uh, we're in the prophets, right? And we're hitting minor prophets. Um, Obadiah is what we talked about last time. And today we're going to move a little bit different. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because I struggled with this one. Um, and, and I'll let you know why I'm struggling here in a little bit. But, but before we get too, too far into it, I better get my notes out so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it wasn't good enough. Nope. <laughs> That's the father and the mother right there. Mother comes running, father, he's fine. Just don't worry about it. He'll get over right there. That's right. Tune it out. Tune it out. Now, everybody's seen one of these, right? Yeah. And when we see one of these, what do we think about first and foremost? Yeah, we got mice, right? But have you ever really examined a mousetrap? I mean, they, they hurt. Yeah, the, the, the side of it, they hurt. But they're, they're relatively simple, aren't they? There's not much to them. It's an old design, but it's simple. I mean, there has been people that have tried to improve a mousetrap. In fact, I have one that's a plastic one, and I still have yet to catch a mouse with that one. But this one has been faithful, right? Most of the time. All right? But pretty simple. Got a piece of wood, got some wire, and this one's new. Arden came up to me this morning and goes, ew. And I said, no, it's brand new. And how do I know it's brand new? Because we still have the little thing right there that fell off. So it was brand new, I promise. But it's pretty simple. A few wires, a spring, a mechanism to catch it, and bam, we're good to go. But people have tried to change it. Right? In fact, they've come up with a phrase. I've never heard of this, so I'm interested if anybody has heard of it. It says, he's trying to build a better mousetrap. Has anybody ever heard? Have you heard that one, Martha? Have you? What does that mean? You make a lot of money. Oh, okay. All right. Brenda, you heard it. Is that the same thing? Yeah, that was my theory. That was, okay. Well, this one was a little bit different. I like stole this little thing here, but it says it means that somebody's uh, doing something the hard way rather than the simple way. Okay? Now, we've tried to improve this in big different things, but really simplicity is still simplicity, right? And we see that in today's world, there are a lot of people out there that are trying to build a better way to God, right? By telling us that there are many different ways or roads to God, when there's really only one, a simple way. And the Bible says there is only one way to God, and that's through who? Jesus Christ. Jesus says that, it, that he is the way and the truth and the life, and that no one can come to God except through him. John 14, 6. See, Jesus makes being a Christian very simple. It's not hard. So let's make sure we show people the right way to God, and not try to build a better mousetrap. Now, what was that I just did? Does anybody know? Commercial. Commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Fair enough. Yes, yeah. How about an object lesson, right? We have something here to make us remind us of the simplicity of it is how it comes to God. And today we are going to be in Hosea, and it is the same thing. See, Hosea is an example of an object lesson that God is providing for us. See, 
Hosea had to live it himself before he could preach it. Now, Hosea was a great preacher of the time. But God said, I'm going to use you first and put you in this object lesson so you understand where I'm coming from. And it's pretty neat to go through in here. See, Hosea had to experience deep agony, pain, and suffering in his own home because of the sins of his wife. He had to experience that so he could come out and preach it to the Israelites who were doing the same thing to God. See, it's kind of something like this. If somebody comes down and loses their mom or dad, and you tell them, you know, they come to you looking for something. And if you haven't lost your mom and dad, have you gone through the pains that they have? No. No. It's hard to understand what they're going through. Yes, it's sad, but until you lose your own mom and dad, you don't know what those pains are like. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just this, it's this a pure fact. Or somebody coming in and having surgery or cancer, excuse me. If you haven't gone through cancer yourself, you don't know the hard times that it is for cancer. Now, you may see it because a loved one has gone through it, but you don't experience the same thing. And it's hard to go back at it if you haven't experienced it. And that's what Jose is doing. God is putting him through this so he can experience, so he can relate back to the people themselves. My sister went through it all, so she should have been able to handle it all. She had a kidney transplant. She was cancer. She had open-heart surgery, eye surgery, dialysis. She could relate with people a lot better than I can. All I've ever had was my wisdom teeth removed and a shoulder. I can relate with Clay and Julie and those who have shoulder surgery. But that's what Jose is in right now. We're going to go. It's 13 chapters. And I wish I could tell you right now that I'm going to go through verse by verse and we're going to talk about stuff. But we're going to be in the first three chapters and I'm really only going to be talking about a handful of verses. Because I think what Hosea goes through is so important that we have to understand it. So, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, thank you for the opportunity to preach today. To deliver the message that you've laid on my heart Thank you for being able to be a vessel for you, Lord. And as we go through today, Lord, just let us open our hearts and our minds to what Hosea is going through, through the deep agony and pain, through the hard times, Lord. Just show us, too, what we can see and learn from this time, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, we know we have to have context, context, and context. So, in order to get started here, let's find out and remember who Hosea is. Now, remember, Hosea is a minor prophet. He's actually the first book of the minor prophets. His name means salvation. He preached to the northern kingdom, which was Israel at the time. Which, if you read Hosea, also is Ephraim, is what they call Israel. And it was during a period of national decline. And we'll get a little bit more into that here in just a minute. He started his ministry during the King Jeroboam II's reign. And during that time of King Jeroboam, it was a great prosperity. 
Now you ask yourself, at least I did this when I was writing, how can we have great prosperity when we're in national decline? And this was it. Israel was rotting from the inside. They were rotting away inwardly. Why? Because they got involved with other nations and brought foreign allegiances together with countries that bordered them instead of trusting in God and having faith in God. And of course, what do those allegiances do then? They allow other gods to come in to play. And one in particular that we always love to talk about here in the Old Testament is good old Baal. And we see that. So how did we have national decline? Because they were not following God. Here in those great times of prosperity, even in our own lives, if we really look in close uh, examination, when we're, things are going good, we tend to start doing I. Look what I have done. Look what I'm doing. Why? Because we don't usually go to God and tell us hard times. And then all of a sudden, God, I need you. When he's been there the whole time, right? That's what Israel is doing. I want to say again, because we read it so many times, again and again. They didn't get to go to the promised land. Why? Because they didn't have faith in God, so they had to wander 40 years in the wilderness before Joshua took them in. Why do they keep doing it? Because I don't know, but it does happen. And we see that. And that's where Israel's great national decline came from. And Hosanna got to preach a message of exposing their sins warning them away uh, excuse me warning them of upcoming judgments and then actually had the hope of the future just like any good prophet those are the three things that they're doing and Hosea's doing it but before Hosea can get started in that whole thing we're going to read verse one, uh, 2 in chapter 1 if you want to read with me here this gets it started all here for us this is this is this objective lesson that we're about to see here that Hosea is going through. And it says this in verse 2 of chapter 1. It says, When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom forsaking the Lord. And I apologize. I blush when it comes to that. I mean, that is a flat-out thing. He is going to take a woman a prostitute to be his wife. Think about that for a minute. Pretty brazen of him. Pretty daring. But God told him to do it. Go. So he abided. And, and Gomer was her name. He went and married Gomer. The prostitute. And they bore three children. And we'll talk more about those three children here in a minute. But the thing about it was, is as I was reading about those three children, they only can really confirm one was probably his, the firstborn. The other two, they weren't quite sure. So she didn't change from her ways after marriage. And then after the third child was born... She left him. She had a reputation before she married Hosea, and she continued that reputation. 
Can you imagine the deep agony, the pain that Hosea was going through? I can't. I've never been divorced. I don't know. Never had a wife that committed adultery on me. I don't know what he's going through, but I can only imagine that it hurt. I can only imagine him scratching his head and and probably asking why. I can't imagine at this point in time in this object lesson that he's going, oh wait, no, it's all good. It's all good. I know God has is, got is it under control and, and this is for a reason. I knew he knew that in the back of his mind, but look front, when his eyes are seeing what he's seeing, his wife is leaving him for another man, I'm sure it was kind of hard. Hurtful. Painful. In fact... Her reputation got so much that she became a slave back in the day. And that slave actually, the man that she was with at the time was going to sell her as a slave. And I'm going to skip to chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and I want you to read what Hosea has to do next. And it says this, And the Lord said to me, Go again and love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though every turn to other gods and or turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her, this is Hosea. I bought her for fifteen shackles of silver and a homer and a lentis of barley. He had to go buy his wife back. And to make things even worse, Gomer had such a reputation that she was only getting sold for half of what other slaves of her same age and stuff. Half. He only had to pay half. So that was another kind of slap to the face on her. And then... Think of Gomer's side of things. She had to go back to the man she left. She was married to. Hosea had to take her home. Hosea had to assure her of his forgiveness and love. He had to swallow his pride. <clears throat> And I think Gomer had to do the same. Because I don't think she believed in any part of what I've read in anything else that he would even take her back. <clears throat> she loved the lifestyle that she was in. She didn't know anything different. But because of his willingness to be an obedient servant to God, Hosea did what he needed to do. And to this point, I believe that there is no reason not to believe that Gomer repented of her sins and became a good wife. Why do I believe that? Because it's an object lesson. And we find out later that God forgave Israel and allows His people back to Him. What a message that Hosea had to go through to be able to preach to the Israelites there in northern kingdom there of Israel. 
Can you imagine now what Israel is doing to God? And that's what we're going to look at next. Here we see our object lesson. We see that Hosea had to go through unfaithfulness by his own wife and then turn around and bring her back and reassure her of her love and forgiveness. So what is Israel doing? Well, it's a picture of unfaithfulness to the Lord, right? And we're going to combine, and we're going to kind of look at what Gomer and Hosea did and what Israel and God has right here, this object lesson. We see that Israel was married to the Lord just as Hosea was married to Gomer. And we see that Israel and Gomer should have been faithful to them, but they weren't. We see that they lusted after sin, after false gods of other nations. We see that they committed spiritual adultery, just like we talked about earlier today. In James chapter 4, for as they forsake the true God and worship the idols of their enemies. See, Baal, if I understand correctly, was a god of weather. And when the farmers back then wasn't getting the rain that they needed, what did they do? Instead of going to God, they went to Baal. Why? Because that was influenced into the northern kingdom of Israel. They turned their back and they were unfaithful to God and they were thinking that Baal was going to be able to help them. Even though God is where they got, God got them to where they were. Why is that though? Why? I truly believe part of it is a generational gap. They didn't have to go through what their grandfathers did to see it. And then their parents, maybe they did or maybe they didn't, preach to them or show them what God did, and then there's a gap. Who's, yeah, I know God. Yeah, he did all this, but hey, look at this. This is the newest, latest thing. Bail right here. I'm going to go all in. And it's tough. Moving on. Just like Gomer, Israel would go into slavery or captivity. See, the Assyrian came in and capt, uh, captured the northern kingdom. So now they became a slave to the Assyrians. Just as Gomer became a slave to other men. And just like Hosea, who sought after his wife and brought her back, the Lord will seek after His people and set them free and restore them to His love and blessings. Israel was unfaithful. Gomer was unfaithful. But God and Hosea still came back for them. And we're going to see that time and time again. As a matter of fact, we can kind of look at things. If we want to go back to chapter 1, we're going to see that... Um, God told Hosea how to name his children. And this is kind of a way we can trace the history of Israel at this point in time through the names of Hosea's children. See, the firstborn that was for sure known of Hosea's was Jezreel. And his name meant scattered in verse 4. Referring to a time when God would scatter Israel over uh, among the nations around them. The Assyrian people came in, the Assyrian government came in, took over, and then spread out the Israelites, the Jews, 
And then we have the second born, which is a daughter. Lo Rahoma. Unpitted or no mercy, depending on which version you have of the Bible. In verse 6, which God would lift his mercy from the nation and permit her to suffer for her sins. We see that as we come in here, we're going to see that mercy lifted. Why? Because those Israelites, the Jews, are worshiping other gods. And then we have another son, Lo Amni, or not my people. This one kind of got me the worst. Identifying or indicating the people of Israel are out of fellowship with God and not his people. We get that story sometimes in our lives, I think. I think we can go through life sometimes knowing that God is control of certain aspects of our lives, but then there's something that isn't quite. We're not giving to God to allow to handle. And I think we go through and we see this and we can see sometimes uh, where our lives stand just like the Jews were. But I want to make sure we all understand, and I think we know this, but we have to be reminded that, that there will be a time when God will call them his people again. There will be a time when God will put His mercy back on them. And there will not be any scattering among the nations anymore. And that time is when Jesus Christ returns and restores the nation and establishes His righteousness of a kingdom. we got to remember that. Because I guarantee we can look at our world as a whole now and think that it's going to in a hen basket. I apologize for that. But we have a vision and we see what it is. We see with our eyes what the world is providing for us. Our country going downhill. Other countries doing the same thing. Possible World War III. The news is at us not left and right with things that are bad, bad, bad. And then we start thinking, what can we do? How can we make it better? And we start getting away just like the Israelites did. We have to keep our faithfulness in the man that we may not be able to see, but we know who created us. We know who's in charge. We know who won the battle. And that's Jesus Christ. Hosea is a prime example of an object lesson of keeping our faith and trust in Jesus. There's not many of us here that would say that we would accept our wife back that did everything Gomer did to Hosea. Or vice versa. Maybe it's our wife. But God is there for us. But the last thing I want to make sure we understand before anything else is that spiritual adultery is a sin of the New Testament Christians as well as the Old Testament Jews. And we got some scripture I'd like to look at. If you turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John 2. It says, Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. Verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of the life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Don't let our eyes dictate to us the outcome of what's coming. Let us have faith in Jesus Christ. Let our will of the God abide forever. Let us be obedient servants. Revelation chapter 2, 1 through 7. I'm just going to really focus on number uh, verse 4 here, but God is coming in here, and it's the Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, and He's going through and saying what great things they did in the first three verses. But then He comes up in verse 4 and says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Some would say in here that that's the love of Jesus, the love of God. And some would say that's the love of the neighbor, loving your fellow uh, church members. And what this is, I think both of them fit here. Both of them, sometimes we can get so caught up in checkboxing everything of the world needs to have or just checkboxing, I come to church, I read my Bible, but I never, ever apply it to my life. And I think something here on this aspect of things he's saying is don't forget your first love. Don't forget why you came. We drew you to you because you knew you were a sinner. But you knew you had a Savior that gave His life for you. He shed His blood for you. Don't forget that first love. And then, of course, the good old chapter 4 of James was brought up a handful of times today, and I want to read this one as well because I think it's so fitting for today. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. Excuse me, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet. See, I messed that one up last time too. And cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is intimacy with God or conflict? There would, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is not the purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit? And that he is made to dwell in us, but he gives us, uh, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. It is nothing new for spiritual adultery to happen in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And sometimes we have to remember that, like Mark has talked about, and I think we've talked about a handful of times, the Bible tells us do not murder. And I think honestly I can look at everybody in here and say that nobody has murdered anybody. 
And if you have, please do not raise your hand. <laughs> but I can honestly think everybody can say that. But like Mark says, the next thing to that is love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we all can say that there is a certain individual whose name that might get mentioned that our blood pressure starts to rise. That we think we've gotten forgiveness, but yet we cannot hear their name without getting angry. So have we committed murder because we have not forgiven that person? That we have not loved that neighbor? You know, it's taken me a long time to realize I cannot control what others think or feel or say. But I have to know that within my heart, I have truly forgiven them. And that's hard. That's hard. You know, for those of you that might not have known, Sonny Kemper uh, just lived over here. Sonny Kemper was a master craftsman. That guy could do anything. And at 80 plus years old, he came into the shop when I was teaching. And he was willing to teach the kids stuff. And we were building some shelves. And, and he had some piece of trim there. And, and so I cut it. And I, it fit. And in my mind, it fit great. You know, a little tight. Had a little bow, but it would just kind of come on down. It would fit perfect. And Sonny took it out and handed it to me and said, it's not good enough. Go cut it again. Well, I said, Sonny, man, how much more do you want me to cut? I mean, a saw blade is an eighth of an inch. You go, that's way too much. He goes, Bo, a cigarette paper width. I'm like, oh, that's small. Yeah, but that's how much more he needed. I took it off, and then he goes, perfect. Guys, I say that because we are a cigarette paper width away allowing the devil back into our hearts. Allowing the devil to take us in a direction we don't want to go. A cigarette paper width. As a matter of fact, Mike and Marty, and once again, thank you guys for going to get in the chairs again. We were talking about as we unloaded the chairs about who knows the Bible the best besides God. The devil. The devil knows it. How do we know that? He tempted Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness with it. The devil understands it better than we do. And he's that cigarette paper with away from being there and getting us. I love the song by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. And it's a slow fade when we give our hearts away. And they start with a simple look. And then that simple look turns to a longer look. And that longer look can turn into the sin, the action. It's a slow fade. The devil doesn't give up on us once just because we go, Ha! Look at that! I didn't fall for you this time, sir. There's always the next second, or the next minute, or the next day. Guys, we're that close. Spiritual adultery is a word that I hate. Adultery is a word that I do not like. But I'm going to hit a rabbit trail here, guys. I think we have to pay attention to stuff. The divorces that I hear that are coming out. The people that, kids I taught that got married that I thought were doing good are now separated because they were that paper, cigarette paper with the weight, and the devil finally got his foot in. We have to work hard each and every day of resisting 
and being unfaithful to the Lord and making sure that we are faithful to the Lord. And it's a struggle. But I encourage you guys, because when Christians who love the world and live for sin, they are false to their Savior and they break His heart. Just as those Israelites and the Jews did and the reason Hosea had to be an object lesson to get there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, gracious Lord, what a, what a message that you had for us today. Thank you for seeing that objective lesson. Thank you for letting us understand that Hosea had to go through what he went through so he could understand how you were feeling and how the people of the northern kingdom of Israel were being unfaithful to you. Lord, we understand that there's times that we go through deep agony and, and hurt and pain. And help us to remind us that through some of our actions, we make you go through the same thing. But Lord, we know you're a loving God and that we have to go through hard times difficult times the testing to be able to shore up our faith in you you guide and direct us each and every day let us keep that in mind let us keep you in mind let us remember that through this study and through what we did today it's nothing more than a reminder that we are a cigarette paper with the way of allowing Satan, Satan's snare, to grab us. Lord, help us to stay on the narrow and straight path, the path that you provide for us. Help us not to see what the world would have us to see, that it's wide and open and that it's good their way. No, Lord, we want the narrow path of knowing and understanding that you and only you are the way to true joy and that you have kept your promises from the day you brought the Israelites out of Egypt to the day that you will return to claim your righteous kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.